The Jet Set Breakfast. Music, culture, lively and critical discussions on SAFM. So COVID-19 has been interesting in the book world. And one of the stories that's uh, been growing magnificently, I might add, is the idea that secondhand bookstores are a space to be in, that they're providing the opportunity to get books at a much cheaper rate. And uh, certainly if you're in lockdown, you may be wanting to do a bit more reading. And I did see someone tweet this morning uh, with an image of all the books that he had bought um, for something like a hundred rand or something. It was like five books or something. It was really great. And I thought he has a good story for us. On the line is a man. He's been on the show a few times and we do love his approach to the world, his approach to books. Griffin Shear, he's the author of The Golden Rhino. It's a book for young adults or teenagers. He's also the founder of Bridge Booksellers of new and second-hand books. And they have a focus on African literature. They are in stores in Maboneng, Commissioner Street and online. Griffin, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Griffin. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. In fact, I know, Griffin, that you've had to uh, move around quite dramatically because of the load shedding in your area. Yes, unfortunately, we woke up with no power, and our cell phone tower was down too, so I have uh, gone down the street to find a good signal. (laughs) Oh, well, I I hope that you at least have a cup of coffee in your hand or something, Griffin. Absolutely. It was an excuse to stop at the the pastry shop as well. (laughs) You know, Griffin... uh, the, the, the idea of uh, buying second-hand books is something that seems to have like grown roots. It was seeded and it feels like it's grown roots and it's now growing from seed to strength. Talk to us uh, as to why you think that's starting to happen. I think maybe people are also just starting to um, to talk about it more because um, the in Johannesburg, you know, we've got we had a survey about it's been nine years now, but we have so many bookshops in the city, and something like ninety percent of them are secondhand shops, and our, our total number is quite high. So we have as many bookstores as Paris does, for example, like a little over a thousand, wow. and most of them are secondhand shops. So there's this really rich culture that I think more people have been turning to now because of lockdown and because our libraries have been closed. So they haven't reopened since lockdown started in March. And if you do need books and you don't want to, I personally read a lot of books that I don't want to pay full price for as well, you know, know, then secondhand shops are kind of filling that gap where we used to be able to check out a book. Now we can go to the secondhand shop and get it more reasonably priced. You talk about reasonably priced, let's be frank. Books are expensive in this country. And if I understand correctly, it's the VAT on the books when they come into the country or something like that? Well, it's the VAT is, um, you know, it can be quite high. And then also uh, for our local books, because the print runs tend to be relatively small, um, that makes the cost per book quite high because a lot of times the most expensive part of printing of the book is not the paper and the ink. It's the cost of setting up the press. Yeah. So you have really good economies of scale if you can print 10,000 copies of a book instead of 1,000 copies of a book, which would make the price go down. Um, but for the books that we produce locally, that's usually not the case. And then the books that we actually import, it's just so expensive right now, and there are so few flights. And I've had books that I ordered for customers from overseas even a few months ago that haven't arrived yet. And it's just because there's very little transport into the country right now. You know, you talk about... Um in many ways, we're talking about the business model of, of a bookshop. Now, the challenge, of course, is 
Is there a business model in a second-hand bookshop? I mean, if I buy a book for 20 rand or 50 rand, um, which to me seems like a, a fabulous price for a book, because usually there could be anything up to 300, 400 rand for a new book. But what's, what's, where does it work for you? How do you amortize your costs? Is there a way for making it work? Or is this just l- the love of the book? Well, so we use a blended model at Bridge Books. So we have new books and we have secondhand books because um, my feeling is that I would like anyone to be able to walk in and find something that they can walk out with, that they can yeah. afford. So we have secondhand books from as low as 20 rand. Um, we do struggle with the secondhand books because we try and keep our focus on African writing, and those books tend not to go into the secondhand market at all. So yeah, our secondhand books are much more skewed yeah. towards international. Um, but I think that's one way of making it work, where if you are doing the new books and the secondhand books together, that makes sense. But a lot of um, secondhand bookstores, I think, are doing pretty well. Like, I, I see one opened in the Parkhurst recently. During lockdown, they opened a new shop, which I think is amazing and kind of against the trend of businesses struggling. Um, and I think with the secondhand books, it also removes a lot of the the overhead because you're not dealing with supply chains, basically. You're kind of going out and finding them, or in our case, people just drop them off. You know, they're kind of cleaning their shelves and making room for new books, and then they drop off the books that they've already gone through. So it's just kind of the cost of filtering through them and sorting them out rather than having to deal with buying and returning and the things you do for the new book. You know, I'm thinking about myself, like if I clean out my bookshelves and then I have a box full of books, I could come to you. But the problem, of course, is that I could come to you with a whole load of stuff that is really not useful to you in any kind of a way. What then happens? Because that, that's really the issue is that you can see people selling secondhand books. They might have a little table outside their shop or, yeah. you know, they might be doing it literally on the street, whatever the case may be. But they may have like a whole bunch of stuff that's I mean, people must be getting endless copies of freaking what's it whiter shade not whiter shade of pale 50 shades of gray or whatever it's uh, called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no a few years ago there were those amazing pictures of all the donated copies of 50 shades of gray that exactly. bookstores in the uk had turned into castles and <laughs> like use them as lego blocks you know? yeah um so we uh try to solve that problem by making any books that we can't sell then we give away to schools and libraries if yeah. any of them want them um, some of the books, to be honest, are in dire condition, and it's not worth rebinding them. You know, I'm not going to mm. pay to rebind a book that there's a million copies of anyway. Yeah. Um, what we actually did during um, November was turned some of our damaged books into lamps. So we have nice new book chandeliers hanging from our ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can always craft with them. Um, but then some of them do end up getting pulped, which always, um, book lovers always cringe when I say that. But the reality is, if the spine is falling apart and the pages are falling out and it's a book that's readily available or that no one's going to want to read anymore, you know, the kind of the old car buyer's guides from the 1990s and computer manuals <laughs> from the 80s with kind of those TS-80 things on them and stuff, you know. Those books have lived a life, so they, mm. they will get pulped. Um, but that also raises money for the bookshop or for the charity shop, and oh. it's recycling, so it's getting new yeah. paper for books. So we could, in fact, bring you the books, and you're going to go, okay, fine, uh, uh, these are not kind of books for sale, but well, nobody's going to want to buy these, so or get them or take them or whatever, and they can't go to schools or whatever the case may be. Right. But if you repulp them, then you actually do earn a little bit of money from it. 
Right, or we'll combine with another charity to kind of make that make sense. But yeah, I mean, there's they don't go to waste. Like, there's always something that can be done with them. I did start to think that maybe, you know how, like, in therapy sessions, they say, here, take this um, uh, telephone, you know, telephone book with all the numbers and tear mm. it up, and that's a good way to just grow your anger. Maybe with those books that are going to be repulped, we could also be using it for that as well. I think that's amazing. We could probably all use that kind of stress relief these days too. You know, we can have a session in the basement where we try and tear through them. <laughs> so what are people buying? What are they buying at the moment? What are people coming into your store and saying, I'm looking for, I want this. This would be a good book for me to read at the moment, etc. Um, so the, the best sellers of the last couple of months were um, romance and kind of, you know, local escapist romance, which is, does tend to be true a lot of times anyway. Um, and then right now, um, I don't know that I see a clear trend. I think everyone's kind of digging a little bit deeper because we've been selling, um, I guess what I would call like modern classics, you know, quite yeah. a bit. Like maybe things, the books that people always meant to read but never got around to. Yeah. So the sort of go tell it on the mountain um but also like the case of Dacre, the kind of quiet violence of dreams and things like that, people have been coming and looking for. Um, and then I think some people are also just, um, you know, I'm well, I'm maybe I'm projecting myself, but doing, doing a little bit of escapism, you know, so to sort of light reading and fantasy and things like that. Um, we haven't done great with the political books lately, but I think we're all burned out on the news. You know, I think yeah. in our spare time, we don't want it anymore, maybe as part of it. You know, it's interesting that you say that. So I'm reading a lot of books for my studies at the moment, but there's nothing better than just reading a book that you go, uh, it may be a serious book, but it just takes you away from the immediate. And and just recently, um, yesterday, I finished reading the Isabel Allende's new book, um, which was released in 2019. And I felt like I just couldn't get it together to read it. And then I read it now, and it's just been one of the great books. And it does talk to the idea that one could go back. Zai, our sports person, was talking about how she's gone back to Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. Mm. Uh, that that idea of going back, and the brilliant thing about if you go back into a, into a second-hand store and you look for William Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury, you might have a little name written in the front of the book that belonged, it belonged to someone at some point. And that always adds a certain taste as well. Well, and I love when we do get the second-hand books, because often people use um, bits and bobs of things around the house as bookmarks. So someone dropped off a collection of second-hand books, and the bookmarks were all postcards, uh, maybe from the 1950s or the 1960s, but postcards of synagogues in Prague. And you'll see, like, people will use, like, their old Christmas cards and things um, as bookmarks, and there'll be a grocery list and just really interesting little kind of... I guess it's not marginalia, it's not in the margins, but just the way that people use a book, it's so interesting to feel like it's had a life before you and that you're kind of part of this journey that the book is going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that is one of the things that, you know, we, you know, we, when you talk about books, that the, the idea of like the traveling book, that books have legs and will carry on because someone will pick it up from my house and, you know, they'll not bring it back to me, but they'll pass it on to somebody else and that books could keep traveling that way. Um, and end up at the second-hand shop and in a totally new space again, which is amazing, the kind of long journey that things go on. It's such a beautiful thing. It's almost like a memento to the past, which is moving through the future. Yeah, and it's just such a nice connection through time. And we had um, some of the interesting things were like the covers of the second-hand books that we received. There was a copy of... um, 
The Sound of the Cowhide Drum, the collection of poetry, which yes. there's a current edition where it's in English and in Zulu as on in parallel text. But then um, we got two separate copies recently of older editions of it with these kind of gorgeous, like, woodcut print um, illustrations for the cover art. And that's so cool, too, to watch, like, how our impressions of books changed and what was beautiful on the cover has changed. And some of those are really amazing. I really like the kind of old 1970s, um, kind of those art covers of books were really cool. Absolutely. Uh, in closing, you know, Griffin, we talk a lot about ebooks and the difference between an ebook and picking up the real book. Obviously, the secondhand bookstore is the store that uh, is really engaging with the concept of the old book or the book that's passed through other people's hands. Often it has that slightly dusty smell and the paper looks slightly yellowed, which mm. is so <laughs> wonderful. Um, just talk to us a little bit about that particular part of it. Well, I think that's part of the the treasure hunt of it, too, is that, like, you go into the bookstore and you feel like you're actually in that space and that sense of kind of a physical interaction with the book that you don't get if you're trying to, if you're scrolling through on your Kindle or on your phone. Um, and I think inside of, um, in those kind of beautiful things, you also find these, like, unlikely gifts. So one of my friends who's a dancer I found kind of a 1920s guide to ballet, which was <laughs> hilarious. It was just so fun. Yeah. And we had a book um, that was probably even older. I mean, this is more collectible than used, I guess. But somebody, somebody dropped off a guide to how to be a girl. But it was sort of a Victorian guide to how to be a girl. <laughs> and it was just hilarious, you know, and like how long the skirts were and how we were going to have tea and all of these very, you know, kind of very plan and proper and dated things that, that it makes for a really funny read today, you know, but to see how much time has changed. And yeah. some of the things, like we, somebody brought us a, a secondhand copy of an Oprah Winfrey book from the 80s, and it's like, oh, look at Oprah when she was a girl, you know? It was so, <laughs> just so funny to see. It's like, I'd forgotten that she was so very young then, because, you know, I'm so used to her having this kind of matronly look now, you know, and <laughs> not this kind of big shoulder pads and the bright lipstick and the things that people did in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so the kind yeah. of sense of the passage of time is great, too. So Tsepo Madlingozi has just tweeted us and said, you know, looking for a specific book or genre in a secondhand store, I find that the best thing to do the most adventurous way to go is just to go into the shop and just browse your book will jump at you well and you just never know what you're going to find when you do it that way and i think that's that's the treasure hunt thing is if you yeah. go exploring you may not find the one you were looking for but i always leave with something else as well you know, there's something else that'll end up being really fascinating um, I've been on a real mission looking for old books about Johannesburg with old pictures and drawings of the city. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes I end up leaving with, you know, just something completely random and off topic. And, you know. Talk about 1920s ballet dancers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly how those things happen. Um, and I think the, it's just that's part of the joy of it is just this idea of exploration. And one of the things I was trying to explain to my children the other day was kind of the, the joy of the dictionary. Because yes. you look up everything on Google now, and part of the joy of the dictionary is hunting for the word and then finding five other words that, oh, I didn't know that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the kind of unexpected things that come along. It's so much fun.
Griffin, we need to get to the news. I want to say it's always an absolute delight to talk to you and inspiration. Griffin Shear, he's the author of The Golden Rhino. He's also the founder of Bridge Books. And you can go on to bridgebooks.co.za or follow them on Twitter at bridgebooks.josie. And as he says, we have more books, or as many books, in, for example, in Josie, book sales in Josie, as they are in Paris, secondhand bookstores and the like. Over a thousand, he says. It's wonderful. And I love that idea. It's nine o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.